Welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel, and I can't wait to speak to my guest today. My guest is a freelance writer, video producer, and media consultant specializing in cannabis culture, strains, products, and education. He works as a feature writer for Weed Maps, Leafly, Weekly, WikiLeaf, and Greenflower, and more. Please welcome Dante Jordan. Thanks so much, Dante, for being on our podcast. Let's Be Blunt with Montel. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Uh, nice to meet the viewers that see me, but I don't see them. I'm so excited. Absolutely, my friend. Look, I'm glad I, I, I should uh, complete disclosure. Um, I did a uh, podcast with you about a week ago, and uh, we had so much fun that I said, come on, man, you got to be on mine. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was an honor. And uh, man, I can't wait to tell my mom, aunt, and grandma about this one. Uh, it's good. It's good. Well, look, let's, uh, for those viewers out there who are unaware of you, even though they probably have read some of your work but didn't realize it was you. Let's go back for a little bit and talk about your background. Where are you from and, and what brought you to cannabis to begin with before we talk about what brought you to cannabis as a journalist? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm born and raised in Oklahoma City. Um, I've hopped around a few places. I've lived in Dallas a little bit, Salina, Kansas. I'm in Seattle now. And as far as what brought me to cannabis, man, uh, shit, to be completely real, like when I was a kid, it was kind of the family business of the men in my family. <laughs> so... That's what really brought me cannabis is it was around a lot. And through that, I've been able to see the uh, the effects of the war on drugs. I spent many times on jail phone calls, jail visits and stuff like that. And that's what brought me to cannabis. So I discovered it as writing in 2016. And I just kind of saw it as a way for me to um, rewrite the path that my family had been on up until this point with the plant so wow. yeah. well let's back up tell, tell me uh, do you remember the first time you actually consumed any cannabis yeah i do i do remember i remember the first time i consumed and i remember the first time i got high the first time i consumed was with a friend of mine maybe i think it was my sophomore year of high school um i didn't smoke until college really but my sophomore year of high school i tried it and i don't think i did it right because i didn't get high um, I just kind of held it in my mouth, didn't inhale or anything that blew out. So I never really got into it after that, uh, didn't hit for me. And also my mom was pretty strict. So I was more scared of getting caught with weed than I was anything else with my family's history. Wow. So then you started using when you got in college. Yeah, I used, uh, I smoked one time my freshman year. Uh, with some friends and that's when I got high and like colors got more vibrant and everything felt good and I had I was like oh <laughs> this is what it is yeah. so um that 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 was a, really I only smoked a couple times my freshman year because I was playing basketball but my sophomore year when I transferred from Kansas Wesleyan to the University of Oklahoma and I wasn't playing sports and I was just kicking it with my friends all the time that's when I started really getting into it Gotcha. Well, you know, a lot of people find, you know, cannabis enhances their abilities when they play sports. Did you find that or was was it negative for you? So it's a funny thing because even when I stopped playing basketball in college, I played rec league and it was 50-50 with the weed, man. Like there were times where I would smoke coming there and I cannot miss from anywhere in the gym, let alone the court. I could be on the track up and I throw up a hook shot and it's all net. Um, but then there's also times where I come in there and my, it just couldn't grab hold of my brain. I was too hazy and just just all over the place, no control of my limbs. So um, there are times that I've played high and it worked, but times that it didn't. If I was going to go play now, I'll tell you, I would definitely be high while playing. Yeah, I was, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm an avid snowboarder, and I, I don't think I've ever been on the snow without um, uh, having a vibe before I get started. I think it's, it calms you down enough to let my body do what it's supposed to do. Yeah, for sure. Where's your mountain? That's a question I've learned after uh, moving to the Pacific Northwest. It seems people have mountains they frequent for snowboarding. Well, and one of my favorite places of all was out in uh, Utah. I, uh, and I probably rode every mountain in Utah. I mean, for, oh man, about five years in a row, I used to uh, fly down to Chile every single summer. Snowboarding mm. in Chile. Um, but I think if I had to pick a mountain that I would call my favorite, I think it would be um, the canyons in uh, 
outside of Park City. Okay, got you. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about Utah in that respect. Yeah, the canyons was really good. There was a there they they had you know about eight different mountains within driving distance of Park City and within driving distance of the airport. You're there once you land, forty five minutes you can be on the snow. Fifty minutes you can be on the snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm uh, getting to snowboarding pretty soon. It's a little expensive to take on, but worth it, especially with where I live. Yeah, once you get it, once you once you get it and get your get your equipment dialed in. Then the expenses kind of go by. Then it's just really the 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 snope, the ski pass, which is kind of crazy because these days, or right before COVID, the passes were going skyrocket. You're right, got very expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I predict that you know once COVID's done, it's going to become even more expensive because they're going to try to make up for lost revenue. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Let's talk a little bit about uh, how knowledge has changed since you you know, first com- imbibed and through the time that you started. Well, first off, let's go back for a second. When did you begin writing for cannabis magazines? Um, I started writing at uh, the top of 2017. I was freelancing for Leafly um, for that year. And in that time, um, they had flown me to Seattle to check it out. And I had just really started to understand that uh, not I had found a niche, but a niche had found me. Uh, off of something I was already naturally doing. So top of 2017, and I went full-time at Leafly in June of 2018, back to freelance in March of this year. Wow. But now during that period of time when you were actually, when you were writing, were you were you doing more, you know, lifestyle reporting? Were you doing more strain reporting? Or was it a combination of all? Mm-hmm. I was doing more lifestyle and strains. And I would say that's still what I do most of. I really enjoy talking about the people uh, around this plant and how we all use it. Um, but I was starting with like strain listicles and stuff because at that time I was living in Dallas and I had access to uh, cannabis. So I've always just been really into strains and just the different effects that can come from the plant. So I was writing strain listicles and, you know, seven strains for watching a basketball game and also things like why floating the river high is a great experience, um, stuff like that. Yeah, well, when you're talking about Dallas, though, then it wasn't, it's not legal there. So do you really have access to the breadth of strains that you could have had where you've seen in Seattle and on the West Coast? So um, how do I answer that? Sorry. Yes, I had access to a plethora of strains that uh, specifically people in California and Colorado had access to. Not as much as when I would travel to Denver for fun or go to LA for fun. And, you know, you can walk in a store and those strains change so frequently that you have access to so many, but um, I had options. And a lot of times though, what you end up getting in California and even in Colorado are a lot of hybrids where people have crossbred this, crossbred that, crossbred this, where are you really getting a new strain or are you just getting you know, a hybrid, you know, I guess if we go back and do, you know, solid scientific research. I think, I guess back in the day, way back, maybe 2000 years ago, there was probably only about seven different strains mm-hmm. and all of those strains are what make up every different strain that we have now. Right. Absolutely. I actually talk about that frequently because especially now with just so many strains, you can name anything, anything, which is why shot by flavor and stuff. Now uh, in, in, in the beginning, if you trace them all, it's just, few plants that kept, got, kept getting crossed and crossed and crossed and crossed and then those got crossed and crossed and crossed with the other ones. And here we are now where we're just smoking weed, man. Like <laughs> we're just smoking weed. Yeah, and, and you know what? Now I think if you go back, you know, to when you first tried, mm-hmm. and we do know even in like the 60s and the late 60s, early 70s, you know, uh, American growers spent a lot of time trying to, back then in the 60s and 70s, grow the CBD and all the other kind of cannabinoids, cannabinoids out of the plant, trying mm-hmm. to enhance THC levels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, though they've mastered it now, I, I, I find it sometimes hard to really, you know, when I was really, really, really smoking a lot and consuming a lot, mm-hmm. I found it, it hard to really distinguish between a 21 or a 23 or a 17 and a 23. And if I did distinguish it, it really had less to do with the intensity and had more to do with the duration. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. I've actually uh, 
I mean, you know, a high THC number is like great to look at and everything, but I've often found even in my earlier days when I didn't really know too much about the plant that the THC number wasn't, it, it, it wasn't how it was going to be shopping because I had had some 13% THC strains that blew me out of the water. And I had had some 21% THC strains that, I mean, they get you high because it's THC and that's what it does, but still wouldn't smack me like the other ones. So early on, I realized that, you know, THC number is a piece of information that's nice to know, but it wasn't going to be what was going to be the end all be all towards what I was trying to experience. Yeah, why don't you let's talk a little bit about that because you and through your experiences and you've been all over the country and you know all over the West and looked at different strains and looked at different types of you know um, uh, uh, different products that's been available on the shelf. When a person's going out and shopping, let's talk a little bit about what they should try to maybe look for because I I believe that it's just as important to take a look at the terpene profile if they if it's printed and just as, as important to take a look at the if there is CBD and other cannabinoids there, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there's so much stuff out there that, um, as far as how people should shop, um, I can tell you how I shop, and it's strictly based off like the genetics of the plant. Now I kind of see what the strain is, and I'll step over to my side if I don't know the strain and pull it up on one of the websites that has a glossary and go from there, because um, a lot of times, just in Seattle, you might not have terpenes, pe- posted on there or it may just be the cannabinoids number so um truly like my best advice to someone is familiarize yourself with certain genetics and go from there because yeah the other information might not be available and even with terpenes and stuff that's so new that like the average consumer is going to be in a world of confusion if they walk into a store and try there first so um, for me, it comes down to genetics, but like, you know, I'm still mastering how I'm going to shop with it changing all the time. So when you go and what, what, what genetics do you look for? What's the genetic profile you look for? So, um, well, cookies is everywhere. So <laughs> of course I look for cookies if I want something heavy, like I'm a gelato guy for like the nighttime. I like something fruity and gassy to lay me down. So usually something gelato or cross with it. I like Skittles. Um, but like really like it's, it's kind of interesting. So if I smoke throughout the day, I try to go at the top of the day, I try to go with something citrusy or orangey, like tangy. And then at, throughout the day, I try to go with something like middling. That's going to hit me something like a white fire OG or a white fire OG or a white widow. One of those hybrids that's just right there in the middle that'll keep me high for a while, but won't lay me down. And then I end it with some gelato. So, um, yeah, that that cookies and tangy and I I try a plethora of them. It's hard to narrow it down. Just just a couple. Sure. Yeah, I know that the the white the uh, hazes are great for the morning. How was that? Hazes are great for the morning. I remember, you know, if there was a while, I used to I used to spend a lot of time in Amsterdam, and uh, you know, they that was the only place that you could get any of the white rhino, white willow, you know, mm-hmm. strains, and and that was my favorite for a long time. And even now, you know, I, I've I've looked to, you know, even in in and when I start going back into formulations again, I will probably look for some sort of a cross between, you know, or or a blend with a white rhino, white widow. Mm-hmm plant over with, you know, the cookies or, you know, a blue dream. So mm-hmm. together, that gives you that kind of, a, you know, for me, kind of a universal, if you will. I don't know. It's like, a, I'm not going to go to sleep on it, but I'm going to maintain it for a while. And, you know, it's going to be nice. It's going to be right in the pocket, not in this, you know, way too much or not enough, you know, Goldilocks uh, mm-hmm. home. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I smoke pineapple upside down cake for that, uh, purpose right now but yeah we're you and i are looking for the same type of high like and really kind of like depending on what time of day in the setting and mood that might put you down if, oh. <laughs> yeah, it, could, it could definitely put you down if you allow it to put you down or, or you you take that third that third one when you know you should only take it two mm-hmm. yeah you end up like uh, trying to figure out how to get yourself back up again mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting you mentioned white rhino i tried white rhino uh, I can't remember it, 2017, July 2017, when I 
first visited Seattle and I had a pre-roll of it and I haven't smoked it since then, but to this day, that's one of the actually like most potent, like sleepy strains I've come across. It really hit me. <laughs> it smacked me. I remember doing it in Amsterdam and I'm telling you back in like 2006, uh, 2007. Mm-hmm. And, um, even a matter of fact, the very first time I was ever introduced to it, I think was like in 1996, seven also when I was in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. I went to Amsterdam and uh, I remember I went to uh, Grasshopper, uh, which was back then one of the real popular coffee shops. And mm-hmm. it was like they had this. We have we got this brand new strain in there, the White Rhino and White Widow. And I was like, really? Mm-hmm. And I, 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 you know, back then of course we weren't as as educated as we are today. And I remember, you know, literally sitting in a corner in that coffee shop. And I was there from about one o'clock till about eight o'clock that night from just finishing. And back then, all, almost everybody over there was rolling, you know, cannabis with tobacco. Mm-hmm. And a joint. I literally bought a brand new pipe to take over with me. So I just kind of packed the bowl, you know, mm-hmm. with just the white rhino. And man, I'm telling you, it left me trying to figure out who I was. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it'll get you. It it was it was one of those where I was like, oh, yeah. do I need to put this out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, exactly. I remember I, I distinctly almost the same feeling. I mean, I remember taking a big long draw and I was back then I was I was literally smoking out of Mirsha. So I was using what people would usually use as a tobacco pipe. Mm-hmm. You know, prescreening the bottom of it. And I was literally packing this bowl this back when I was in the flower day. And I remember, man, I packed that bowl. And I I'm I gotta tell you, like an idiot, you know, I went, hmm. <laughs> and I went, hmm. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, it's like seven o'clock in the evening. I missed mm-hmm. lunch and dinner. I was like, dang, man, I need to get my ass up. You know, it was another thing because I remember I, I I didn't get 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 knocked out where I was. I went to sleep, or was that because again it was a coffee shop, so you could get coffee. So I was drinking like an espresso, a couple of espressos in a row, and putting that on top of it. So mm-hmm. it was like you know, I think I just kind of sat in the corner and just you know try to solve the world's problems and vegged out. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about now. You know, the industry of course has changed and. Especially right now, man. I mean, COVID has uh, impacted us all in so many different ways. How do you think COVID's impacted the uh, cannabis industry? Uh, you know, it's interesting from a bird's eye view. It seems like uh, it feels weird to say because it feels like I'm jinxing or saying something that like I'm putting in jeopardy. But it feels like the cannabis industry may be recession proof. Like it feels like from what I've ex- from what I've seen with COVID and all the other businesses in, in shutting down, uh, cannabis being deemed an essential business has actually had a positive effect on dispensaries getting more business or money. That comes from, like I was talking to my little cousin in Oklahoma who owns a dispensary there. And I would just was like, so how's business been for you? And he's like, like booming. And I've actually had that conversation with dispensaries around here as well. So it seems like, um, it's had a positive impact on like retail spaces, but other spaces that are ancillary to the space, those, you know, the culinary chefs, um, the events space around cannabis, cannabis cups, the grow off, which is a competition that's hap- that happens in Colorado and California and Oregon uh, is everything virtual. So while the one-to-one plant a person business might be booming, um, the other areas of it are suffering just like any other industry. And I think, you know, not, well, you're, you're actually right. I think you read a lot of this article after article after article being printed about all over the country where it seems like, you know, the business and the retail business is recession proof because, you know, I think what's happened, I just saw an article two days ago talking about, you know, um, the use of alcohol has seemed to have gone down, whereas the use of cannabis seems to have gone up across yeah. the board and especially among college students across the country now it seems that uh, you know the idea though even though you see you know some of these uh news stories about these parties that are going on 
you know, when you take a look at those parties, you don't see a lot of beer cans. Maybe you see, you know, a, a quarter of the people holding a beer can or something. But, you know, what are those other people that aren't holding anything hold it? You know, yeah. that's what that's probably been what's been going on. Um, but I also think now, you know, it's really interesting. I've not shared a pipe or a bowl or anything with anybody in six mm-hmm. months. I haven't mm-hmm. handed over some, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't do it even if I had alcohol swaps. You know what I mean? It's just like probably not the thing to do right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you say that. I just wrote a piece for Weed Maps called I Miss Sharing Weed about this exact thing. And it's about how, you know, you kind of can't really smoke weed with people anymore. And truly, it's a snapshot of what the world looks like right now. It's objectively the best thing I've ever written. Um, well worth reading. And I, I feel you on that. I uh, I do smoke with people, but it's not like, like I used to be down to just smoke with anyone who got close enough and like, you want to smoke, man, just step over here and stuff. Now I smoke with my really like two or three friends that I see all the time. And I know that they're just at home and stuff, but it still feels wrong in a way. I'm just being truthful about it, but it, 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 you probably, you probably break out, you know, two pipes rather than one, or you break out two joints and one, 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 right. There is that like, we'll smoke together, but then it, really there is this kind of like, if we all have some, we'll just smoke solo. It's, it's, it's really changed the culture of, of, of weed. I mean, that's what this plant's about sharing it with people. So yeah, it's a, man, it's something I get emotionally connected to. I love, cannabis in the community um but yeah i i i feel you i do smoke with a couple people but i i i mean that's maybe once every couple weeks you don't see anybody anymore that's probably why alcohol has gone down is because you can sit at home and smoke all day by yourself and feel all right about about yourself uh unless you don't do anything then you might feel like man i smoked the day away we talked about that before um versus alcohol like you can't sit and, and, and drink all day by yourself alone at home and that lead to a positive mental state or physical state or truly any state. I mean, I'm sitting here like I'm protecting alcohol. We know how bad that is. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I can't, you know, I guess the, those who are hardcore alcoholics can sit at home and put a fifth up on the counter and then start pouring themselves glass after glass after glass after glass, which is really very interesting because interesting I say it this way, but have you been watching, do you watch a lot of Netflix series? Of course, right now, right? Well, you got time, Netflix and us. Have you noticed like when you turn on, it doesn't matter what the series is. You always see people pouring, you know, a shot, they're pouring a, a half full glass wherever they go. It's, 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 I was, I was really disturbed by it the other day because I was literally watching. I mean, I, I can't, you can't watch anything without uh, every other scene being a half a glass of scotch or sure. brown liquid or, you know, or, or uh, now, you know, I'm just happened to be watching some European versions of some uh, Netflix series. And mm-hmm. I swear to you, almost every scene, somebody is pouring themselves a, 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 a shot, not a shot glass, a water glass full or halfway full of liquor. And I'm like, am I missing something? Cause I don't know anybody. I walk in, as soon as I walk in your house, you know, the, you go right to the cabinet, grab a bottle, pour a drink and hand me a drink and you drink. You know what I mean, they may as well do it the right way and hand to hand out two joints. I don't know. But I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody that does that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anybody that does that either. Even friends that like drink a lot. They don't like drink like that where every conversation, every scene includes alcohol. I mean, it's one of those things that I guess because it's a social lubricant in real life that in shows, because you kind of extremify everything, maybe they just, let's put this in every show. That'll be relatable to humans, but you know. Yeah. I mean, I guess it used, it used to be, it used to be like almost every show, you know, somebody lit up a cigarette. Mm-hmm. It's like, they got to give them something to do. So you got to do something. So let's just have them drink. And I'm like, I don't know. Tell me, show me the cop. I'm serious. Now you show me a cop who can function the way some of these cops are functioning after three and four shots. <laughs> out of the door. It's like, come on now. Stop. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. I want to ask you a little bit about some of uh, some uh, different products. Like, what, what are moon rocks, my friend? <laughs> moon rocks, man. The... You wrote about it, right? 
<laughs> yeah, I wrote about moon rocks. Moon rocks are <laughs> moon rocks are a, a bud wrapped in oil, like a bud dipped in oil, and then rolled around in keep. So it's like all the trichomes, all the cannabinoids, everything possible. It is a It'll take you on a ride. It'll get you high as hell, just like straight up. You know that the, back in the day, you ever heard you heard the term tie stick, right? Mm-mm. Tell me about that. Back in the day, I'm trying to go back 20 years. Um, there used to be a, a a way to. It was I think it was originally probably done to store cannabis, not necessarily just for consumption, but mm-hmm. you to take a same thing, take a bud. And you would twist hemp or twist canna, you know, a, a, a sativa, um, um, like a strand, mm-hmm. twist it around a bud, and twist it real tight till you made like a little stick. Then you dip that in oil, dip that in keef, and you twist it again, dip that in oil, dip that in keef, let it dry, and then you could cut those little things up and you know, literally drop it in a bowl or you could cut off a piece and chop it up and put it in a, in a split, split. It would get you hella high. So the I guess OG this is... Moonies. Huh? The OG Moon Rocks. Yeah, OG Moon Rocks. No kidding, man. <laughs> you, you write an article about that recently? I wrote an article about Moon Rocks um, for Leafly a while back. It's one of my better performing articles of my writing history. I think I've seen that, and now you, you, and then I've even asked the question. I remember I was in a dispensary in LA, and remember seeing a counter and under counter there was, you know, about three or four different types of moon rocks, and I was going looking at that. What the hell is that? And I just moved on and went on past it. But I got you now. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's that's for that's for the hardcore. You want to you want to be able to like go away for a while. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I was about to ask you if you've tried it, but then I re- I remember you haven't smoked flower flower in so long. Just knowing that you're a Keith man. Yeah, no, no but if I remember the one. It just looked like a, a chunky piece of Keith, and I was. But that now I get what it is. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you've done a lot of celebrity profiles uh, in your day. Now, uh, different mm-hmm. celebrities. I mean, out of that, who's been, if you want to just share a little bit, who's been the most fun that you've had conversation with? And, you know, what have you learned out of? Hmm. I would say, um, you know, my conversations with Ricky Lake over time have been really special to me. She is a, she's just such a special woman. And I mean, she's somebody that, again, like you, I grew up watching and so familiar with. And, when I interviewed her in Austin of 2019 South by Southwest, yeah, that's what it was. I mean, quickly it went from like interviewee to just two people there and it just felt so comfortable. And it taught me that, I mean, I know this, but still, you know, you come into people, contact with people you respect, you, it's hard not to place them up on some sort of pedestal. But I, it just taught me that all of us are human and that like, if you want the best out of celebrities or whoever you're talking to, you got to treat them like they're the homie on the couch that you were talking to instead of asking them generic things that, I mean, it, I, I, I approach these things like this may be the first and only time I get to speak to this person that I idolize. I better ask them some real questions and have a real conversation while I have the opportunity instead of, you know, so what's been your yeah, I, I don't even know, but, but it's 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 those have really taught me that celebrities really enjoy when people treat them like humans. Yeah, Ricky, and Ricky is that type of a human celebrity that I think a lot of people need to know. You know, they've they've gotten gotten used to the television persona, but didn't break through past that. And she's a definite real person, a really real and a really nice person. Oh, absolutely. I love her to death. Just like, I mean, she's it's like I would I I would describe her as my friend before I'd even describe her as a energy in interview subject at this point. She texted me just a couple of days ago to say, hey, appreciate the piece you wrote um, and to check in on me. And I'm going to see her in next month when I go down to California. So it's just it's just. Yeah, she's a she's a good one. And well, over the next time I'm going to tell please pass on a hello from me to her. OK. Oh, absolutely. I sure will. 
you know, look, I love to always, you know, do a little bit of education here. Let me do this. Let me take a little break because I got to pay some bills. I'll, take mm-hmm. a little break and I'll be back. And then let's talk a little bit. Let's see if we can, we can share some knowledge with some folks out there so they can understand, you know, some just a little extra of something they could take away from this. It's a knowledge piece. So I'm going to take a break. So for all of you watching, make sure you come back and stay tuned. I'm paying a couple bills. But we're talking today to Mr. Dante Jordan, who is a writer, media consultant, specializing in cannabis, culture, strains, and products, and education. He works for Weed Maps, Leafly, WikiLeaf, and Green Flower. You can see articles that he's written there. And uh, I'm sure they can pull you up online and get a get a just a trove of some of the articles that you've already done before. And I suggest you do that. I'm gonna take a little break. We'll be back right after this with more Dante Jordan on Let's Be Blunt. Welcome back to Let's Be Blunt. It's Montel Williams here, and our guest today is Mr. Dante Jordan, who's a freelance writer, video producer, media consultant, specializing in cannabis culture, strange products, and education. Thanks again, Dante, for being a part of Let's Be Blunt today, my friend. Anytime. What an honor. You know, let's let's uh, divert for a second. I said I want to do a little education, but before I even ask you that educational question, what did you think of the uh, uh, vice presidential debates and the fact that Kamala Harris made sure that she threw in there? And I thought it was very interesting the way she did it because it was like out of the blue. She just threw, oh, and oh, by the way, as soon as uh, Biden and I get in office, we're going to uh, decriminalize medical marijuana. And then she went on, didn't come back to it. What mm-hmm. did you think comment? Uh, to be honest with you, I didn't even see it. I did not tune into the debates. Um, I've been a little checked out on the political landscape over the really past couple of weeks and really just in general. Um, it's a lot on my brain. It is exhausting for me personally. It makes it hard for me to think clearly and operate in my regular everyday life. And because of that and me already knowing where I'm voting, I have chosen to disconnect from that. Um, so you are, voting, are you going to vote in person or are you going to vote by mail? I'm going to vote by mail uh, because I'll be the vote the I'll be gone from where I'm registered to vote in Seattle when the actual election is. So I am actively every single day I check like if, when I'm done with this, I'm going to check my mail. I've been waiting for that ballot to pop up. And you do you have to order it in Washington or they just send it out to you? Um, Randomly, or not? I shouldn't say randomly, but they just send it to you. No, they just send it to you. Right. Good. 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 I'm wait. I'm. I'm. I'm really waiting on that to pop up though, because the local. I mean, with the local elections, that came right through. So. Yeah, and then also, just, in in, on subject, uh, I did not see her comment on medical marijuana or anything of the sort. Yeah, but now, what do you think about it? Because she did say. You know, I mean, again, I'm telling you, this came out of the blue. She was talking about other things, and all of a sudden, and I'm as soon as Biden and I get elected, uh, we're going to decriminalize cannabis. And let's talk about that subject of decriminalization rather than why not deschedule. And this is what really is driving me nuts about the Biden campaign because I think they're not being advised by the right people. I mean, he's, he's got a mentality that's about 30 years old anyway, and though. It seems that, you know, that might be better than anything. I think decriminalization doesn't really answer the problem. Um, Sheesh. Um, Man, I truly haven't given that much thought. I mean, I'm going to be real with you. Like, I've... I don't know how to really even explain how I am, but I, I'm, I feel powerless in that discussion. I have n- no clue what to say or what to think about it. I am in the industry and yes, but I am a spectator like everyone else on this. So, I mean, it like I miss the manner in which he said it. So it makes it hard for me to really give a true answer to that. No, that's all right. Well, you know, recently Cannabis Newsbox wrote an article about the fact that scientists have asked the DEA to reschedule cannabis, to take it out of the Schedule 1 and Schedule 2 category and, and maybe even move it down to Schedule 3. And, you know, I mean, Schedule 1, as a Schedule 1 uh, drug, it is, it's a drug that claims to have no medical efficacy whatsoever, which is a lie, especially coming out of a government that has given itself its own patent 
on cannabis claiming its medical efficaciousness. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think for those reasons alone, it should be taken off the schedule because clearly the government didn't do its own homework to schedule a drug that they already have proven it works as a medication. Mm -hmm. Well, with that, I think I understand better now about what you're asking me there. And yeah, I mean, it doesn't, one, doesn't make sense for it to be scheduled as the <laughs> as schedule one, but yeah, descheduling it doesn't descheduling it doesn't take a it it doesn't change anything really as far as like what the plant's been painted as. It still paints it as a as a harmful drug. It still paints it as well. If we if we take it out of the DEA schedule, therefore it would not be able to be held as an illegal substance. So the Fed would have to. Clearly, they would have to decriminalize because there's nothing actually says that it's it's harmful. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I now that's not what Harris and Biden are looking for. They're looking to decriminalize, meaning write laws that say that even though we think it's a harmful Schedule One drug, we want to take away some of the, you know, penalty for it. And that's where I think they are dead wrong because what they've got to do is take away the stigma of it being a non medical viable drug yeah i was just about to ask you uh what your thoughts were that you just told me but i was going to ask what your thoughts are because i'm a participant in a conversation now you're enlightening me no you know, i mean that's that's what, we, that's what we try to do here my friend is trying to make sure that you know people are going to tune in and, and catch this interview and you know i know they're going to be be looking to you and future articles on it but that might be something you might want to think about writing because it's like you know i don't think again you know, a lot of people keep telling me every time I bring it up, I say, you know, what people don't know is that the U.S. government owns its own patent on cannabis. And they say, oh, well, people aren't really that concerned about that. But that, I think they need to stop and be concerned about that. We need to give them the can give them the the uh, the patent number, let them do the research themselves, look at the patent in the patent. When you file for a patent, you have to say why you think something works X, Y, Z. And it's something called an abstract. And in that abstract, that's where the government puts its best foot forward. And our government put its best foot forward and stated unequivocally that it felt like, you know, cannabis was one of the best anti-inflammatories and analgesic and worked for symptoms of neurological disorder and also uh, worked for neurological improvement. So there are things that the government has said itself already and is on record for having said, how can you then turn around and say that I'm going to go take what I say and schedule this as a schedule one drug that has no medical efficacy when you've already said it, it does. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, you know, that's the most hypocritical, you know, uh, uh, dichotomy I think that we could actually present. And if more and more people were educated about that, I think more and more people would stop and go, come on, man, how stupid is this? Mm -hmm. So you're thinking that, uh, Hypothetically, if uh, Biden and Harris win, that um, they're still not going to operate correctly. I don't think so. I, I think that they've gotten, you know, I, I, I believe that they have wrong information. And it's like, you know, Joe Biden still believes in some ways that cannabis is a gateway drug, which mm -hmm. is really ridiculous. And somebody needs to be having conversations with them to school them a little bit and have help them you know, at least make decisions based on fact, not on fiction. And mm -hmm. so um, I'm hoping that, you know, it's, it's people like yourself who are writers and, and have the ability to reach masses of people who could then turn around and write letters. You know, I think what we need to do is write letters to them and say, look, you know, why don't you stop talking smack, educate yourself before you open your mouth again. Mm -hmm. You know, Joe Biden, I think, is a reasonable person who, who would stop and consider the fact that maybe he is wrong. And uh, at least he will admit to things that he's done wrong. He's done that in the past. And this might be one of those that he might admit to. But, okay, let's leave that for a second. Now, I'll come back to you because I said I wanted to try to see if I can give our, our listeners and viewers a little bit of education. Why don't you explain from your perspective and the research that you've been able to do that though, to those people who are kind of new to cannabis, what are the differences between an indica and a sativa? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> uh, well, the physical characteristics of the plant are a big difference uh, because indica and sativa refer to the morphology of the plant. So 
indica plants are going to be uh, tall, lanky. They're going to have the long, cone-shaped buds. And then those indica plants are going to be shorter and bushy. They're going to have more compact buds and tighter ones. Um, and it is commonly believed that sativa plants are the upper strains and indica strains are the downer strains. However, it is really more tied to the chemicals inside the plant than just how it grew. Yeah, <laughs> that, is, that, that is the, the bet. Now, now, with that said, sure, you may still be able to go into a dispensary and ask for something that'll wake you up and they give you a sativa, a plant that, or strain that's a sativa and it works in that way. Yes, it's just important to know that there are more factors at play if you're going to really kind of find which ones are for you. You know, the sativas are more THC, higher levels of THC, and indica is a little bit more higher levels of CBD. I have, so I've, you know, and, and this is just in conversation. I have been reading and told that the indica strains are higher in THC and sativas are lower. If that's fact, I would still need to do some more research on that personally. Um, but from my understanding, um, yeah, I, I'm... I'm not not positive there. I'm not comfortable giving that answer and having people take it as law because I understand that people would do that with my words in my position. And I'm I'm not the guy that knows everything. I'm learning just as y'all. I'm the guy that knows what I know. And, you know, I'm not VIP. I'm general admission. I'm with the people. Gotcha. All right. What what is 710? (laughs) uh, 710. That's for the dapper. 710 is oil day. And um, if you flip 710 upside down, it spells oil. Uh, but it's just, it's a, it's a celebration. It's, it's 420 for dabbers. It's a celebration for people who dab concentrates in um, oils. That's not me. I am a flower guy. I do dab with my friends here and there, but I am a, a flower boy all the way. But that's 710. Gotcha. And, then, and now, is, is there going to be a celebration for 710 like there's a 420 day? Uh, I saw one last year that was a, the, I guess it would be, no, it, it was last year when it was more active when I was still working for my previous employer. Um, there was a little bit of a celebration, but I haven't seen it as universal as 420. Gotcha. Now, you know, just in general, I mean, what is your general feeling about, you know, different types of celebrity brands that are out there these days? Um, hmm. I would say that you know I don't feel intensely negatively about them as far as like I'm hurt by them or whatever I just would like to see celebrities not whore their names out to companies that they haven't vetted for products that people are going to be looking for as medicine um I think that could be dangerous in more ways than just the commercialization of the plant and everything on that side. But truly, I mean, you know, if you look up to celebrity, you're going to be looking and and they say, go try this and that from this company. And and the company's not really going to do you any good. You could try that and it could turn you off to cannabis in general. And then from there, like people aren't finding medicine that they're looking for. Um, And I've seen a lot of, Celebrities that don't, in my opinion, you haven't done the work that so many other companies have done to get the plant to where it's at this point. And now it looks like they're kind of just coming in on top of it right before things may go legal or this stuff and kind of leeching. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm trying not to use harmful words because I don't. I don't want to make it seem like I'm judging anybody or anything. I just. It's just my perspective of what I've seen it. And uh, I don't know these celebrities personally. I think what you're trying to say is that like you would do your homework for anything else that you put your name on, you should at least understand what it is you're putting your name on before you try to sell and promote it to someone else. For sure. Because a lot of times it's just like them putting their names on something and 
being used in the promotion, but cannabis starts like as a plant and a seed and it has a process it has to go through to become a product. And then let's say that product's not flour. Let's say it becomes an oil. Then it has another process it has to go through. And then there are more processes put in the jar and stuff. And everywhere along that way, you should vet who's doing it. If they have the right tenants as companies and people. And I mean, truly like, if, if you don't, that's how you get things like that huge vape oil crisis that was going on not too long ago. I mean, I, it's just important to value more things than money in everything. Absolutely. So now what do you think, you know, I mean, after now having written about this industry for the last three years, where do you think the next three years is going to take us when it comes to cannabis? Um, that is something I'm learning as well, because I've been focusing more on just the culture and strains and that side of it, the industry is a whole different world that I'm now really diving into and learning. So, um, I mean, it really kind of, to be honest, it probably has a lot to do with who wins that election. Um, and how cannabis is even treated after that. But But then past that, man, I don't know. Like I am, I'm learning that as I go. So ask me that question again in three months or six months or a year from now, I probably have a better answer for you because I too am actively asking it. And now I'm doing the work to go find out. Absolutely. And I think you, I think you were definitely right. It's definitely going to depend on who actually gets into the white house. But I mean, do you think, I mean, you know, do you think if Trump gets reelected, we could see some rollbacks on some of the, uh, what's the advances that have been made in the last couple of years? Yeah, you know, like, I want to say no. I really do. Uh, I want to say that I've, I know both sides feel their way about cannabis, but I've never felt like it was actually in jeopardy of anything. But he's... he's I'm like shuddering. It's like almost like fear. Like he just seems invincible. Like anything he wants to do, if he wanted to, if Trump wanted to start his own war of drugs, like he he could do that. Like I, I, so I want to say no. I want to say that there's so much more to be focusing on right now than trying to take the plan away from people. But he's a petty man and he focuses on small things. I could see him wanting to take on the cannabis industry in the ways that, you know, Jeff Sessions was trying to, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I think though this time around, though, if you attempted to do that, you got to take on the world. I mean, literally take on the world. When you have countries like Colombia and other countries that have now fully legalized cannabis, then you're really uh, to attack and try to go after this as an industry. You have to, it like puts us back in 1937, 1963, where we're really fighting a war, I think, by ourselves, because the rest of the world understands the viability of hemp. The rest of the world is understanding the viability of cannabis as a medicinal agent. So I think it would be kind of tough for him to try to take on the rest of the world, but he's done it in other ways. The rest of the world understood how to treat that pandemic and look at us. You're right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So, anything else to add, my friend? You say what? I say anything else you want to add, my friend? Nah, not at all. Because, uh, like, truthfully, like, if, if someone's watching this and, like, you are watching me, you're looking for certain answers that I don't have, just to understand that I'm human just like you. And just like, just because I do this job, I don't know everything. And I don't want to know everything because I don't want the pressure of having to always be right. I want to be able to participate in conversations and learn just like y'all, just like every other human should be able to, who's trying to grow in something. Um, so like, that's really all is that like, you're looking for answers and I don't have them. Uh, check back with me in a little bit. Cause when I don't have answers, I go find them out. Well, thank you. And I think that's what we look for you to you for, because you know, you've been doing some exciting work, you know, weed maps, leafly, wicked, wicked leaf and, and green flower, you've been really doing some really great articles, giving people the information that they need and trying your best to, you know, um, be a leader, even though, you know, you may not consider yourself that. But I think by 
you know, extolling some of the data that you've been putting out to people. I think you've been leading a path. And so I thank you for that, sir. I appreciate that. I, as of late, have started to sort of take that more seriously um, and, and, and try to be a voice of people or try to be the person that goes finds information because previously up until this point, um, I haven't had the power to do that um, without bias. Well, what's next for Dante then? Um, honestly, what's next for me is I'm working on starting my own independent brand called Smoking with Dante. Uh, now that I no longer work full time at a company somewhere, I am able to own my intellectual property and use it to benefit myself. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to I'm going to try to blow this writer thing up. I, I really want people to feel like they have somebody that they can reach out to in this industry if they have questions or just want to say, hey, what's up, man? What kind of weed do you like? Um, that's my goal over the next one to two to three to the rest of my life is to become a voice of people in this industry, whether it's through my writing or video projects or smoking with Dante, which is a thing I'm going to roll out, so I won't say what it all is now. But truly, I'm I'm looking to, man, my biggest goal is to like, I just see it so vividly, just build my own media company or some brand in this industry to where I can empower people who want to write about certain things or just have ideas that the big companies that I sometimes work with may not give them the shot to. I'm, there's, there's a need for it. There's a, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. And I'll, I'll, I'll be that, I'll be that guy that does it. I'll be that guy that goes into these rooms with these companies and lets them know the real and yells at them. I will be that guy for people. Thank you, sir. Before we go, if you want people to, to find you, where do they go? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Dante, D-A-N-T-E underscore Jordan. Um, and you can also go to DanteJordan.com. I have a website. You can read some of my clips on there. Um, I'll put this interview up on there. I got a couple other ones. You can find all my work through there. And uh, yeah, just my contact information's there. Reach out to me. Um, people. You've, you've done so much. You've written so many things. If somebody wanted to, to, to get the essence of Dante, what would be your favorite article that you've written that you would recommend to someone else? I miss sharing weed for Weed Maps, no doubt, 100%. It is where I'm going with my writing as far as focusing on people and culture uh, versus more of the product stuff I've done before. That's the one. If you want to know who I am, that's the one. I, I miss sharing weed article and that's from Dante Jordan. Make sure you look that up. And again, you go to Dante underscore Jordan or Dante Jordan.com. So, you know, I think I'm going to ask all of our, our listeners and to let's be blunt to make sure you drop by and pay Dante a visit. And uh, man, I can't say thank you enough for having been a part of the show today. And for all of you who've been tuning in, make sure you tune into the next Let's Be Blunt with Montel.